As you all know, we're in a series on the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, I just want to say that I don't know any pastor literally in the nation that preaches on the Holy Spirit any more clearly and effectively than Roger Johnson. Every time I even know he's moving that direction, I really get excited. And so I have the privilege to continue on with that series. And if you direct your attention to the screen, a couple of slides that Roger's been starting with. It's just a, an incredible visual here. And it's coming up any moment. But anyhow, we're made up of three parts. All right? Isn't that a great visual? Here we go. We're made up of three parts. We're made up of spirit and soul and body. And we all get the body part, okay? It's what Roger refers to as our earth suit. And I can tell you, I hit 60 last June, and I'm starting to kind of look behind me to see if body parts are falling off. You know, did I, you know, did I just lose a calf muscle? You know what I'm saying? So anyhow, uh, the body is definitely uh, a, a, a unique thing. Then we have the spirit up at the top, and we're all born with the dead spirit. I'm telling you, every one of us uh, are dead in spirit. Uh, I know that the reason why that is is because we're sinners by nature and we're sinners by choice. I'm a sinner by nature today because from the time I've been a baby, I've, well, nobody ever had to teach me how to do bad, okay? Had that one figured out all by myself. Every time a child hits about one or two or three or whatever, we start to notice they are sinners by nature. However, I'm a sinner by choice because once I got old enough to know the difference between right and wrong, I chose and I still choose on days to do wrong. So I'm a sinner by nature, sinner by choice. I do believe scripture is clear with passages like King David who's praying, saying to, about his son, his baby that had died. I can't, you can't come to me, but I can go to you. That someone prior to having that age of accountability, so to speak, or maybe someone that has a learning delay that is not able to, to know the to differentiate between right and wrong, they are covered by the grace of God, and I'm thankful for that. But I can tell you in the same breath that, uh, that we are all sinners, and we are dead spiritually uh, from birth. But here's what happens. Then in between, we have our soul, and our soul is the tug of war, okay? And I'll tell you about that here just a little more in a moment. But when, once somebody surrenders to Christ, once we make that full-on surrender saying, Jesus, I'm stuck, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, I can't even take a baby step toward God. I did this at age 24. I walked the aisle of a couple great churches whenever I was younger and was baptized twice, but it was age 24 that I had to take the facts, and facts they were, out of my head and place them in my heart. Relationally, understand that Jesus had to be more to me than all those facts, but I needed to say, man, I'm stuck, helpless, hopeless. I can't even take a baby step toward you. I can't help enough little ladies cross the street, give money to the poor, do good works. It's going to take something much bigger than my best effort to cover my sin. And I realized that he had sent the rescuer, his son Jesus, born of a virgin, walked this earth 33 years, 100% God, yet 100% man. And Jesus, who is perfect, died so that men like me who are not perfect could live. And he did it for us all. And on the third day later, he rose from the dead, defeated death and hell. And the only thing that gives us favor with God is the blood of Christ. It's impossible for sins to be forgiven without bloodshed. Say bloodshed. And so it's impossible. And the only thing big enough to cover my wicked sin is the blood of Jesus. And the moment we surrender to that, we come alive spiritually. And that third of our life is perfect because it's God. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. We cannot, God cannot get any more accessible to us than he is right now. I mean, it, he lives in us. It goes something like this. God, yes. Hey, God, I have a problem. I know. I'm in here. Okay. You don't have to drum him up. You don't have to call him and hope he's home. He's here. He cannot be any more accessible to you and me as a follower of Christ than he is because this Holy Spirit lives in us. But the tug of war happens in the middle. It's our soul. It's who we really are. It's what makes us tick. Okay. 
If you knew the thought life that I battled, if you knew different things that I battled, but 36 years now of being a believer since age 24, I'm 60 years old now, and I'm telling you, uh, he's come a long way, but he's got a long way to go. And we'll never arrive till we get to glory, amen? One day whenever we're in heaven. But it is a passionate rush to watch him shape us. I'm just telling you, I used to think before I came to Christ that God was going to cramp my style. He was going to take all these things away. The only thing he took away from me were all the things that were killing me. And I'm pretty convinced that I would not be alive today had I not surrendered to Jesus at age 24. And he has given purpose. It's just an incredible thing. So today, that area of the soul that I really want to talk about, as God kind of works on that sanctification, if you would, as the scripture calls it, is the area of hearing the, the voice of the Holy Spirit in the area of sharing our faith. Hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit in the area of sharing our faith and extending God's kingdom. Now, I know those are kind of one and the same, sharing Jesus and extending the kingdom, but if time allows this morning, I do want to hit one component uh, of extending the faith that I really notice around here at the Ridge Church, but I want to spend the majority of our time talking about hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit in sharing our faith with other people and being able to share Jesus. So, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, I can't tell you how many times I have come out of this text whenever it comes uh, to speaking about the Holy Spirit, is Acts chapter 8. If you have your copy of God's Word with you, it's Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. It will be on the screen, each verse we're going to look at, if you'd like to follow along there. But Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, and uh, this is what it says. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, this is desert. That verse has always intrigued me. It's just really a perplexing, amazing verse to me. I want to read it to you again. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Say desert. desert. Say desert. desert. Now here's why this verse is so intriguing to me. It's where we find Philip when the angel of the Lord speaks to his heart and says, Phil, I want you to head to the desert. Philip is currently in the city of Samaria. And he's preaching, and there's this incredible movement of God taking place. As a matter of fact, multitudes are coming to Christ, men and women being baptized, miracles are taking place. Let's look at that. Here we are in uh, chapter 8, still back in verse 6. Listen to what it says. But the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. This is a movement of God happening in the city of Samaria. Philip's right in the middle of it. It's all about God, but I'm telling you, this is incredible, right? Verse 12, listen to what it says. But, they, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. I'm telling you, there was this movement going on, and that's the setting we find Philip in when the Holy Spirit says, Hey, Philip, got a job. wants you to go to the desert. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but if I would have been Philip, I probably would have said something like this. I know you created the place. It's a desert. created everything. It's dry down. Nobody's hanging out. In the, do you, have you been paying attention? There's a great movement of you right here. Record numbers every night. We're going to break the record again tonight. Men and women being baptized. Multitudes coming to Christ. That's what I would have been saying. But I want you to know what Philip said. As we look at the next verse, the verse, first sentence of verse 27 says, So he arose and went. So he arose and went. Now I'll promise you this did not make sense to Philip. I'll promise you this wasn't the easy road for Philip. I don't picture him in the five-star hotel in Samaria, okay? But it got even harder whenever he was going to the desert. It probably even cost him some money. None of that mattered to Philip. So he arose and went. Now, why would Philip do that? Go from this incredible move of God 
to the desert. I believe the reason why is because of the first words in verse 26 as we looked at a moment ago. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Philip knew the voice of the Holy Spirit. Philip knew that it was God that was giving him the marching orders. I believe Philip had so been sensitive to the voice of God because he spent time with God. I believe he knew the voice, he recognized the voice. And I'm telling you, I believe God today wants his children to recognize his voice. I have never heard God speak to me in an audible voice. But it's an impression he leaves in my heart. It's a gut feeling. I'm telling you, the Spirit still speaks to people today to say, I've got this role for you. And the reason why Philip was so eager to go and didn't question it, just simply arose and went, was because he knew the voice. And he knew whenever God said go, man, he needed to go. So why did he go? Okay, well, let's look at the next verse, verse 27. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. So here we are. There's a man of great authority, an Ethiopian eunuch, and he's the treasurer of Ethiopia, if you would. He's got control of the queen's purse. Her name was Candace. And I'm telling you, this guy, I'm sure it wasn't that day as it is today, Whoever has control of the money has control of the power. This was a powerful guy. This would have been a wealthy guy. As a matter of fact, this would be a guy that the world would say had everything you needed to have to be complete. This guy would never have needs. The world today, to our culture today, says if you have these kind of things, you got it made. But I believe this guy, even though he had all this stuff and position and prestige and all that stuff, he was empty And he was searching for something to fulfill the emptiness in his life. And I even believe that he felt like it had something to do with the religious sphere. A couple reasons why. One, he ends up going to Jerusalem to worship, which was a center of worship for the known world. Very unusual thing to do for an Ethiopian man. The other thing is, he's reading the prophet Isaiah as he's riding back in the chariot from Jerusalem to, uh, to Ethiopia. But there's a couple other reasons why I say this guy was so empty. Okay, number one, this guy, I believe, was no dummy. He would have never been, uh, you know put to this, this level of, of power if he wasn't a pretty sharp guy. I believe he would have never left the comforts of Ethiopia, at least comforts for a guy like him, to try to find something to fill the emptiness in his life in the religious sphere without first exhausting every type of religion that Ethiopia had to offer of that day. I believe he worshipped every little G-God. I believe he knelt at every idol I believe he tried everything he possibly could, and every time he'd go to another one, he'd go all the more empty, and try another one, he'd grow all the more empty, until finally he said, I'm so empty, and I'm so convinced that it's somewhere in the religious sphere, that I'm going to make my way over to the center of religion for the known world, over to Jerusalem. And the trip itself was taking his life in his own hands. This guy was going to go, this real estate is no piece of cake to get through today, let alone back in that day. Robbers and thieves would be laying await, especially for a rich guy like this. If anything happened to his horse, it would be curtains. At one point, he's traveling near the Mediterranean Sea, but I don't know when the last time it was you tried to drink salt water, but it doesn't work, okay? I can just tell you, this was a dangerous journey. But why would he take the dangerous journey? Because I believe he was so empty. Even though he had everything. He's going, man, what is it that I'm missing? And the third reason why I say it was so empty was because, again, he was going to Jerusalem to worship. He was fully aware of the fact that if he made it over there, he would not be welcome at all. He was not a Judean. He couldn't even get around the temple. 
There was no possible way. And he didn't have to put up with that kind of stuff. He was a man of power and position in his own country. Why would he go? Because I'm telling you, he was empty. He was empty. Now we find him on his way back. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah, still searching. Still searching. So, what does that mean? Well, who was preparing his heart? Who was making him hungry? The Holy Spirit. So Philip went because the Holy Spirit nudged him to go. And now the guy that Philip's going to, to share the gospel with, is prepared by God. The Holy Spirit's working on him. You know, the Bible says, Jesus says in John 6, 44, No man can come unto me unless my Father who has sent me draws him. It's impossible for someone to come to Christ without the Holy Spirit drawing their heart. Now, I'm one of these guys that believe that Jesus died that none should perish, that people can say yes to the gospel, and people can say no to the gospel. I don't believe Jesus makes us a robot, or God makes us a robot that will serve him or else. I believe they can say no. But I'm telling you, still, when someone comes to Christ, Scripture is clear, the Holy Spirit is the one that does it. The Holy Spirit is the one that draws their heart. Sometimes if we're not careful, especially if we have a family member that we love passionately, we just want to see them come to Christ so bad, we can almost cross a line into cramming it down their throat. And it's not out of a bad motive, but I can tell you if I can talk somebody into something today, somebody else can talk them out of it tomorrow. You know, it's against Christianity to impose Christianity. Isn't it crazy? But we're to be the mouthpiece. But the Holy Spirit is the drawer. The Holy Spirit is the one. As we go everywhere and share, he's the one that prepares the heart of the person. And that's what he's doing to this guy who had it all. But he's empty, empty, empty. So listen to what happens in verse 29. In verse 29 is where uh, Philip comes back into the scene. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. Verse 29, Philip may be standing with his hands in the pockets of his robe, right? If he had pockets and he's kicking sand and he's going, Okay, God, I'm here. What do you want me to do? And he sees a little sand flicker over the horizon and all of a sudden pops over the horizon, this horse-drawn chariot, and there's a guy in that's reading something. And the Spirit of the Lord said, Go overtake this chariot. The first three words in verse 30, as it's worded in the New King James, blesses my heart this morning because it says, So Philip ran. So Philip ran. He was so convinced that this was God's mission, not his. He felt the thump in his heart. God was the one that called him out of Samaria to go to the desert. And now he's standing there and he says, There's your job. Go overtake that chariot. So Philip ran. So you got Philip who's sent by God. You got this guy who's prepared and ready by God. And now you got the Holy Spirit saying, Phil, get to him quick. And then this incredible thing takes place. Listen to what happens uh, in verse 31. Well, verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he, the eunuch, said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he, the eunuch, Ask Philip to come up and sit with him. What that means in the Greek is Philip bulldogged the horse, brought it to a screeching halt, got the eunuch out of the, out of the chariot, got him in a full nelson, buried his face in the sand, and said, You listen to me while I tell... It's not what it means at all. Matter of fact, if you ever want to know what it means in the Greek, uh, I made, I think, a D my second semester in Greek. Don't ask me what it means in the Greek. I thank God for the men that studied it. It is important, and they had a lot more grit than me. But I can tell you what it says in the English, Okay. And here's what it says in the English. It says in the English, 
So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And the eunuch said, How can I unless someone guides me? And the eunuch asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The Holy Spirit sent Philip. The Holy Spirit prepared the heart of this guy that had everything in the world's eyes. Then whenever they meet, the Holy Spirit told Philip exactly when to meet. And the Holy Spirit provided a way for the lost guy to say, can you explain this to me? I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is all over every time you and I share our faith. I'm not saying it's always going to result in somebody coming to you saying, will you share this with me? Although it has, and it will, and it can. But the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work. Here's one of the coolest things of all. So listen to where they were reading. So, he said, verse 31, and he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Listen to this in verses 32 and 33. The place in the scripture in which they read was this. Remember, he was reading from the, the prophet Isaiah, right? So here's where they were reading. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Those two verses are found in the book of Isaiah, obviously, because he's reading from the book of Isaiah, but they're found in Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. Now, whenever this guy was reading it, the Ethiopian eunuch, Isaiah wasn't divided in chapter and verse yet like we were today, like it is today. And listen, it wasn't a bound book like we have today where he could open anywhere in the middle and begin to read. He was reading from a scroll. You know how you read a scroll? You read a while, you roll a while. You read a bit, you roll a bit. You can't cut in the middle of a scroll. And I guess where he happened to be, he could have been anywhere in the 66 chapters, as we have it divided today, in the book of Isaiah. The first 39 chapters basically deal with judgment. That would have done him a little good. Guess where he happened to roll to when Philip ran to him? He was in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. Scholars call this the gospel of the Old Testament. There are some places that you can come from in the Old Testament and share Jesus, but it's much easier to share Christ from the New Testament. They didn't have the New Testament yet. It's being written even as they spoke. Let me tell you, if there's one place in the Old Testament you can come from and share Jesus clearly, it's Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. And this Ethiopian eunuch that was so empty happened to roll to that little segment in that scroll whenever Philip ran to him. And listen to what it says in verse 34. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip, verse 35, opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. You want to, isn't that incredible? Listen, whenever we share our faith, it's the Holy Spirit that thumps our heart. It's the Holy Spirit that prepares the person. That doesn't always mean that that person's going to come to Christ whenever the Holy Spirit thumps your heart. Maybe you're the seed sower. Maybe you're the one that's going to put a little more water on a seed somebody else has planted. Maybe you get to be the one that harvests, but only God gives the increase. Amen? Only God can do the moving. But regardless, it's an act of the Holy Spirit that wants to prompt us. So I want to ask you the question, how can I, I want to ask myself this question, hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? Because we know how this story ends. What happens is, a little bit further down the road, the eunuch said, hey, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, you can if 
you believe with all your heart. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they went and they baptized him. said, whenever they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. That means the Holy Spirit said, okay, buddy, I got another job for you. Head over to Azotus. And then it says about the eunuch, he went on his way rejoicing. The guy that was empty, the guy that was desperate and miserable, he went on his way rejoicing because he had the peace of God in his life. But the Holy Spirit did it all. But how can we hear his voice? And as overly simplified as this sounds, the only way I know is this. Every day we meet with him. I know we can pray without ceasing because while we're driving down the road, he lives in us. We don't have to, you know, have an hour set aside in a closet for us to meet with God. But I think there's something to be said about setting some time aside every day where there's no distraction and get along with God. You know, most of us know our schedule tomorrow. We may not know what, whole, what Tuesday's going to be, but we kind of know our schedule. I know there can be some shiftiness in that, but I'm telling you, we can set a day in advance our, our appointments with God when we're still coming to Him with some kind of emotional, mental, physical peak. If I wait till 11.30 at night to go to God, I'm coming to Him out of leftover emotion, leftover feeling. I can't stay before Him with any degree of focus more than about five minutes because I'm shot. We've given everything away all day. But at some point of our day, when we're still at a peak, we need to get along with Him. And first and foremost, the reason why is because He is worthy. Amen? But I'm telling you, as we do that, we, rec- we begin to recognize His voice. We begin to recognize the tug in our heart when it's Him. The impression in our heart when it's Him. I'd encourage you to begin, and many of you could teach me about how to, how to have this time better, but I would, I would encourage you to begin with confession ask God to remind you of any unconfessed sin in your life say unconfessed say unconfessed we talked about this before if it's confessed sin God's already dealt with it as far as the east is from the west buried in the deep sea remembers it no more God's dealt with it the problem is Satan loves to push rewind and play and rewind and play and rewind and play over and over because he wants to pile drive us but if you confessed it God's dealt with it but if it's unconfessed say unconfessed and we need to say okay God Here's some things that have crept back in. I want to confess these to you. Why do we do that? Because our spirit suddenly becomes imperfect? No. It's perfect regardless. Regardless. We go to heaven regardless. But you want to talk about an opportunity to allow God to clean us up on this daily basis. And he even provides the cleaning. But for us to hear his voice, that tug in our heart, clearly, we say, God, what are the unconfessed sins? A mentor in my life a few years ago said, Bob, if you had five minutes... To your quiet time, it'll mean something to you. Ask God whenever you think you've got a thorough job of confessing the unconfessed sin. Say, okay, God, what have I forgotten? Is there any unconfessed sin in my life that I've forgotten? And sit before him in silence for about five minutes and let him bring those things to you. Because I'm telling you, God loves to bring up sin because he loves to forgive. And sometimes it's a lot more than five minutes because he reminded me of things. But it's an act of love. And I'm telling you, after that time of confession, to say to the Holy Spirit that lives in us, to say to the Holy Spirit, I surrender every area of my life. I come under your control. Every area of my life today. Every time I say that, I say, God, I'm weak. You know I'm weak. I am just so wicked at times. And I've got to have your help, but you live in me. 
And I surrender every area of my life. I place it under your control. Now, I may be praying that again about 9.33 and again about 1.15 and again. But I'm telling you, start your day by surrendering because to be filled with the Holy Spirit means to be under control of the Holy Spirit. And we're always under control of something. And there's nothing like being under control of God. And then we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves before Him and just say, God, I humble myself before you today. I humble myself before you. You know, one of the sweetest things that's come out of that five or so minutes of silence before the Lord, first and foremost, it's about bringing honor and glory to Him. It's all about Him. But it served as practice to hear His voice, to recognize His voice. Because as we go along our way, I'm telling you, there's going to be another time you start feeling that familiar thump. And the longer we spend with God, the more we know it's His thump. And it's so important. But the Holy Spirit does it all. Some time ago, I was in Kansas, and I was in a bowling alley. I don't like bowling. I'm a terrible bowler, but they talked me into it, and I went bowling, okay? Some of you have seen me bowl. It's not pretty, all right? But I can tell you, I still use the bumpers. I like the bumpers. I blame Hannah, okay? Uh, I act like it's for her, but it's really for me. So, but I can tell you that in this particular bowling alley, I got bored and I started walking around, and there was a door that led to another part of the building, and it was a pool hall. And I used to shoot uh, some pool, and so I walked in there. It was a big pool hall, pretty good size, probably about 12 to 15 tables. There were three wide and about four to five deep in this rectangular room. And it was a typical pool hall with the lights down low, spotlights on tables, you know, uh, country music playing, smoke filled room, uh, the whole nine yards. And, and there was, a, every table was full. I mean, this place was packed. Every table was full, and uh, there was even chairs lining the perimeter of the room, and about every chair was full. And as I stood there just kind of looking around, I, I noticed a young man, you know, most of the way across the room, and for whatever reason, just again, the impression, the still, still small boys, call it whatever you want to call it, the gut feeling in my heart was to go over and just engage in a conversation with this guy. So I go over and I sit down beside him. His name was Lance. Lance was 24 years old. So I said, Lance, can I tell you what happened to me when I was 24 years old? He said, sure, why not? And it was one of those times where from the get-go, Lance was listening. All the distractions in the room, he's making eye contact side to side with me. And he's listening. You can tell when the Holy Spirit's in something. And we spent probably a good 20 minutes or more talking about Christ and what he's done for us and our way back to a perfect relationship with God. And, and I'll never forget because we got so engrossed in this conversation, I kind of lost contact with what was going on in the room. And what kind of brought me out of it was what I wasn't hearing. I didn't hear near as much noise going on. And whenever I looked up, to my surprise, about half of those games had stopped. And the men that were playing those games were standing with cue sticks in hand, listening. They were watching. And it was right at the point of the conversation where I said to Lance, I said, Lance, Jesus is just as much in this pool hall as he is in any church building. Right now, you can surrender. You can start your relationship with him. Know you're forgiven. And I'll never forget, as this young man, 24 years old, he looked at me, he looked at his friends, he looked at me, he looked at his friends, and then he looked back at me, and he said, I need to surrender. And right there at the side of that pool hall, Lance starts his relationship with Christ. Now, I was hoping because people were listening, maybe there'd be some other takers, you know what I'm saying, so to speak. I hate to say takers, but you understand. I stood up. You'd think I had leprosy. I was like Moses and parted the Red Sea. I mean, everybody's kind of, you know, backing up. 
but I'll never forget, I took about two steps away from Lance, and Lance said, Bob, and I said, yeah. And here's the question he asked me. He said, why me? Out of all the people in this pool room, why did you come to me? And my only answer was, Lance, at the risk of you having me committed because you think I've got voices in my head, I just felt like God was telling me to go to you. And by the way, I'm zero in this equation. That, that's a demonstration of how much God loves you because he wanted you to hear about him. Now, the Holy Spirit is all over that. But, but I need to tell you something. I tell stories like that from time to time, but I need some time to take hours and tell you the stories whenever people go, no, 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 uh-uh, don't say another word. I need to tell you whenever they maybe yawn through it and kind of politely listen. I also need to take some hours and tell you the stories of whenever God says, that's the one, and I keep walking, and I don't stop. And you know the number one reason why I don't stop? I'm afraid. I don't want to be rejected. I know they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting Jesus. Sure feels like rejection. I don't want to be mocked or made fun of. I'm telling you, I sis out way too many times. But I wonder if all of us in this room this morning, as a follower of Jesus, would say, God, I want to make a fresh commitment. I'm scared. But I want to make a fresh commitment to every day start my day of saying, unconfessed sin, I surrender every area of my life. Let my first gut feeling, first thought, first action, let, let it be you speaking to my heart, my first gut feeling. The first thought that hits my brain, let it be you and help me to surrender. Help me to surrender. God, will you set up a divine appointment? Your divine appointment may not even be verbalized in the scripture. It might be, it might be an act of kindness that God's calling you to do somebody. But I wonder if we would say we want to be so in tune with you that we want to recognize the thump in our heart when it's time to be able to stop and talk. One of the things that I want to tell you mows me down most about the Ridge Church. I know we're not a perfect church. But I've never met a church that's as unified as this church. And this other thing that I want to share just briefly is kind of that component of extending the kingdom is so important. Only by the grace of God. He settled that here. Nobody makes it about them. Nobody here that I know or see makes it about their preference. It's all about the kingdom. You know why that's so important? Because for the first time in New Testament church life, people are living longer in North America than they've ever lived. So that means we now have five generations alive and well in the local New Testament church. Five generations. And here's what that means. You see, Joy and I have five kids, and whenever our kids got to be teenagers, every once in a while I'd look at one of them and I'd go, they're weird. You know what I'm saying? You, you ever been there? Can I get an amen? Now, I'm not a grandpa yet. I can't wait. If I live long enough for my grandkids to be teenagers, I understand I'm going to say, they're really weird, okay? But that's three generations, and we can kind of hang with each other. But you get out to fourth and fifth generation, and it kind of goes like this. Everybody's on dope, and that's all there is to it, okay? <laughs> it's hard for five generations to hang. This church never makes it about preference. Matter of fact, just to see those generations in this room, if you're here from age 0 to 19, raise your hand. 0 to 19, let me see your hands. Okay, we have several. If you're here and you're 20, 
to 39. Raise your hand. 20 to 39. All right. A bunch. If you're here and you're 40 to uh, 59, raise your hand. I could have raised my hand until June 13th. Okay. Very good. If you're here and you're 60 to 79, raise your hand. See it go up. All right. And if you're here and you're 80 and over, raise your hand. 20 years is a, is a generation. And we got all five generations in this room right now. Yeah, that's all right. That's good. But you never make it about yourself. It, if the music style isn't your, isn't your preference, all you say is if the kingdom's being extended and it doesn't compromise with this book, let's run. Our senior adults set the pace around here. I've never met people as crazy as the senior adults in a great way. Joey's crazy in some ungreat ways. But anyhow, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All in great ways. God bless Pat. So, see how they laugh, Joey? It's, it's, uh, they get it. They understand. Anyhow, but I can tell you, you've always kept it about the gospel. I've just never met your equal. Now, if we get proud of that, it's over, right? We need to protect that. But that's what kingdom extension is. But I wonder if we right now would make a fresh commitment say, God, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm a little scared. But I wonder if you'll set up a divine appointment. I, I want to make a commitment. At least more days than not. If you miss a day, don't let the enemy beat you up. Pick back up where you, where, you, where you left off. But spend time with God in a consecrated time, con- consecration, uh, anyhow, time you can concentrate. Concentrate, it's a T, okay? Uh, and, and really get alone with Him. And let's ask Him to allow us to hear him when he nudges our heart to stop, to share, and know the Holy Spirit is going to be all over it. David, I'm going to ask you to come. We're not ending just yet, but I do want you to listen to the words of a song. And David's going to sing this song, but the words will be up on the screen, and I really want you to make sure you can sing with him. By all means, I agree. We'll stay seated. You can sing with him, but I just don't want you to accidentally hit automatic pilot like I do. And I want you to make sure you're, you're focusing on the words as you sing. There's three things that I want to have at my funeral one day. Number one, I've asked my wife if she would arrange to have my casket rolled in about 20 minutes late. Okay? <laughs> She's going to do it. One last time, I want people going, it's 2 o'clock. Where is he? Okay? <laughs> so about 20 minutes late. I know that'll still be early so, but, you know, for me, but anyhow. Number two, I want the gospel shared. But number three, I want this song played. And the reason why is because you'll recognize the song. It just says, give me Jesus. In the morning when I rise. May we make a commitment this morning, listen to these words even, to say, I don't want my day to even be settled until I've spent time, until I've rushed to Him. And I've asked for His voice to be heard in my life. It also says, when I am alone. That could be betrayal. It could be a time where somebody stabbed you in the back. It could be the loneliest time of your life. It could be whatever. That can cover all kinds. Then it says, when I die. Give me Jesus. Make sure we don't get caught up in in a great voice or an instrument. I want you to hear with your heart these words. And will we make a fresh commitment as we listen to this to say every day, my day will not be settled till I get to Jesus, the Holy Spirit that lives in us. The mic's not on. In the morning when I rise In the morning 
When I rise in the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. When I am alone, oh, when I am alone, oh, when I am alone, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, you can have all this world. Give me Jesus. When I come to die, oh, when I come to die, Oh, when I come to die, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You may have all this world you may have all this world you may have all this world give me Jesus. see I say to my wife and kids pretty often that I didn't know my heart could love that way. Man, Joy has loved me now for just over 29 years and chosen to stay with me. And my kids, man, they're just unbelievable. But you know, there's one thing that I look forward to most. I just can't wait. And they can't be a part of it. It's not going to be, you know, because of them. I'll probably be standing by myself when it happens. And that's whenever I finally get to heaven... Just get to be face to face with Jesus and just think. Man, I'm telling you, he's done so much. But while we're here on earth, we've got this opportunity with the Holy Spirit, same God living in us, to say, God, will you guide me today? Unconfessed sin. Clean me up. I surrender. I come under your control. Let me hear your voice. I'm scared to death, but tell me who you want me to go to. Because he provides the power all the way around in those stories. I've never led anyone to Jesus, nor of you, but the Holy Spirit has. Amen? And will we make that fresh commitment today? Let's pray together. Father, again, we just say thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your purpose in our life and your call in our life. God, you're absolutely amazing, beyond amazing. God, we know while there's still a heart beating in our chest and 
while our lungs still have the ability to breathe, you've got a purpose. God, we really want to fulfill that purpose, and we'll never do it by our strength. And we can take that pressure off of us because it'll never be done by our strength, but it'll be done by you, the Holy Spirit. And God, you know in my life that any day that I begin to share you, once I break the ice, I can't hardly shut up the rest of the day sharing you. But every day I still need to break the ice. And so God, help us that we would trust you, not our ability, you, your ability. Father, we love you. We'll be careful to give you all the credit. It's all about you. We ask it again in the strong name of our King Jesus. Amen. We're going to have a time of invitation. And here's what that invitation is. You might be here this morning and say, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven. I don't know that I have this relationship with Christ and that he's forgiven my sins and I've been restored to God through his blood. You can know today and I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to take some guts. I'm going to ask you to make your way down one of these aisles and just have a seat on one of these front pews. You don't have to stand. Just literally go right to the front pew and sit down. Someone will approach you and just see what you need to talk about. There might be someone you want to come and pray for that is lost. You want to see them come to Christ. Maybe God's been dealing with you about joining this church. Maybe you say, I've never really been scripturally baptized. That's after the fact that I've surrendered to Christ, going under the water and coming back up, demonstrating that death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. The point is you're free to do whatever God would have on your heart this morning. You can just come and kneel at an old-fashioned altar, but if you need to say, I don't know, I don't know that I'm going to heaven. That's all, all you need to say, I don't know. You just come and have a seat here on the front pew and someone will come to you. Let's all stand to our feet as we continue to worship together. As you need to come, you come. You come. Holy Spirit, sing through that just one more time and let's worship him together can we worship him as he did? if you still need to come you come if god's twisting your arm you come if i'm twisting your arm you stay right where you are okay doesn't work that way but if the holy spirit's twisting your arm and you know the difference we'll encourage you to come just sit down here on the front pew but let's worship him he's worthy amen holy spirit
introduce to you here, uh, if they'll just stop hugging her, that would be great. <laughs> Cindy, you want to come on up? And we know the Allages very well, okay? This is Cindy Allage, who actually, actually admits to being Junior's daughter-in-law, okay? <laughs> so, yeah. She's coming saying, I know the Lord. I've surrendered to Him, but I want to follow Him in baptism. So, Amen. aren't you excited about that, church family? Can we move it? Amen. Anything you like to say? You don't have to, but no, okay. Okay. She's even backing away. I know that feeling. I know that feeling. I'll tell you what, here in a moment, of course, you can, uh, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and you're welcome to celebrate the Lord's Supper because you know the Lord, okay? Um, and then right after that, I would ask if you guys would stand at the back door, we'd love to be able to just hug your neck or shake your hand or fist bump or six feet away or whatever you'd rather, okay? So we're good with all that, okay? Can we give the Lord a hand again? Amen? Amen. So... We're going to continue to worship through the Lord's Supper. And so, again, I want to encourage you. Uh, hopefully, you haven't started yet. Cracker, end up. Peel the top up. Oh, by the way, if you did not get one of these, would you raise your hand? You can go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated. I'm excited about Cindy there. Uh, go ahead and be seated. Raise your hand if you need one of these. Raise your hand if you need one of these. Maybe you didn't grab one on the way in. Or, okay, we got a couple here in the balcony. Ken is sprinting over there even as we speak. Anybody else here on the ground floor? All right, so if you peel off the cracker side first, dump the cracker in your hand, flip it, peel off the juice side, okay? All right, you guys are doing great. So here's what we're going to do. You know, the Bible says not to do the Lord's Supper lightly, right? Say unconfessed. Why don't we just take a moment for about 30 seconds and just ask God to remind us of any unconfessed sin. He'll never let us go. He'll never drop us. Aren't you thankful for that? But still, we want to enter into this time of worship in the Lord's Supper, knowing that He, even He's the one that provides the cleaning, but He has cleaned us up. So about 30 seconds, heads bowed, eyes closed. Just take a little bit and say, God, is there anything unconfessed I need to let loose of, repent of, before we do the Lord's Supper? And remember, we're thinking of his body. We're thinking of his blood that was shed for us. The only thing that gives us favor with God is the blood of Christ. That's what we're thinking about. So as you focus on that, on Jesus, his body, his blood, as you feel led, then you take the cracker and you drink the juice as you feel led. Well, in a moment, we're going to sing our way out of here. Uh, if you have these little cups, there is a trash can in the back. You can uh, utilize that if you want to on the way out. That'd be great. I do want you to know, a week from Wednesday night. By the way, this Wednesday night, we have some partners from Senegal, West Africa. We just engaged an unengaged, unreached people group in 2019. We haven't been able to go back over because of COVID. But we're going in November. And those partners from Senegal, uh, Sadu and his wife Rama, will be here Wednesday night. And he's going to be sharing his testimony. would love for you to be able to come and hear that. We'll be in the Fellowship Hall. It'll be an incredible time uh, for that that night. A week from Wednesday night on the 20, 28th, anybody here that has a, a child or a grandchild that's in the youth ministry, we would love for you to come to a meal in the gym. 
We want you to know what we're sharing with your, with your students, with your children, okay? You know, why is that? Because you are the number one person in their life to invest in them spiritually. Obviously, your mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, okay? And you're the ones that, that lead them. We just have the privilege to be a part of that. And so we would love for every grandparent and every, every parent to come to that meal in the gym on Wednesday night during our normal youth time so we can kind of cast the vision of the direction we're going with our student ministry and what we'll be teaching. It's going to be an exciting time. There's a sign-up sheet right here in the activity center for you to sign up so we make sure we have plenty of food. We'd love to have you spread the word on that, okay? It's going to be a great week. Uh, keep praying. Man, church, love you all. Appreciate you so much. And let's celebrate and sing our way out.